Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Okay, Luke chapter 5 and verse 31. Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And now Jesus sometimes gets accused of saying really difficult things, but here he is incredibly obvious, isn't he? He says, and we all know this, it is not the healthy who need a doctor. This is deep stuff. This is deep stuff from Jesus. Um, Now I want you to imagine um, a healthy man. Um, You're looking at one, I like to think. Um, A healthy man. If you're healthy, you don't need to go to the doctors, do you? In fact, I've never woken up on a morning of feeling really healthy and thought, you know what I'm going to do this morning? I'm going to phone Nevergreen Surgery and book myself an appointment. Um, You know, you can imagine the scene if I was to pick up my phone. Okay, I'm going to phone up Nevergreen this morning. Type it in. Uh, Hello, can I have an appointment for Dr. Smith, please? She wants to know what the problem is. Um, I'm so fit, it is unbelievable. She wants to know what the symptoms are of my fitness. Well, I've got these large lumps on my arms. I think they're called biceps. <laughs> oh, you want more? Oh, well, I've got, you know, I can run miles with only getting a little bit tired. I've got excellent hand-eye coordination, lovely moisturised skin. Oh, yeah, I can bench press about 100 kilograms. Yeah, I reckon, yeah. She wants to offer me an appointment next Tuesday at 11. Can not, someone not see me today? I mean, I'm so desperate for the doctor to see just how incredibly fit I am. She can't do anything. I'll have to go to A&E. I'll have to go to A&E. I'll get seen much quicker if I go there as well, I guess. It'd be stupid, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be stupid if you were healthy and you had to go see a doctor? And But Jesus is saying the healthy people are those who think they are all right with God. The healthy think they're all right with God. And if you think you're alright with God, then Jesus is saying you won't want anything to do with me. If you think you're alright with God, you won't want anything to do with Jesus. But what about the sick person? Well, if you're sick, we've all been a bit ill at times, what do you do? You call the doctor. Um, Even if it's just a bit of a cold, because it's always nice to go see a professional and let them have their reassuring nod towards you, don't you? Um, You go to the doctor because you know you need the doctor because the doctor can help you. And Jesus is saying, I've come for people who know they are sick, who know they need my help. If you realise that you need Jesus, then you'll go to him and find the help he offers. You see, the question we're going to think about all this morning is, are you healthy or are you sick? Do you think you're okay with God? Or do you realise you need Jesus? And one of the things we're going to think about is, have you been served by Jesus, or are you trying to do it by yourself? Well, um, turn back in your Bibles, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 6. That's on page 1034. Luke chapter 6. And we're going to be thinking about... um, Two trees this morning. Two trees. And if you look at verse 30, um, 44, and this is what Jesus says. He, he's preaching a long sermon. Hopefully my sermon won't be quite as long as his, but we'll see. Um, 
two trees. He says this. He says this in verse 44. He says, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. So we've got two trees, and each tree is recognized by its own fruit. And, and what, what a tree produces tells you something about its roots. Good fruit, good roots. Bad fruit, bad roots. It's fairly simple. And Jesus is saying that people are much the same. And what you say and what you do reflects something of your roots, reflects what you're basing your life on. And so we're going to spend some time this morning seeing what our deeds and our words reveal about us. And I think this might be quite hard because I found this really hard this week and really challenging. And so let me warn you in advance. Great, well, we're going to have um, our first slot of our reading. I'm going to hand over to Nick. We're going to read um, Luke chapter 6, verses 20 to 23. And we're introduced to the first type of tree. So over to you, Nick, please. Looking at his disciples, Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their fathers treated the prophets. And so our first tree, I'm going to call this, is, this is the tree of the blessed who know they're sick. Okay, the blessed who know they're sick. Um, and the first thing we learn about them is that he says, blessed are you who are poor. So, where's my little poor picture? Let me stick this one on. There we go. Looks very sad. Great. He says, blessed are you who are poor. Now, he doesn't just mean um, physically poor. He means poor in the sense that they realize they've got nothing to offer. They've got nothing to offer God, actually. Um, they realize that they need Jesus to serve them. Blessed are you if you realize that. Blessed are you that you know you are sick and in need of help. And you see what he said in that verse. He said, blessed are you who are poor, yours will be the kingdom of God. Uh, what else is it? Blessed are you who hunger. He's desperate for some food. Um, someone who's hungry realizes they lack something, don't they? It's fairly obvious. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you if you realize that what you lack, I can supply. And he says, if you come to me, one day you'll be satisfied forever. Well, he says, blessed are those who weep. I think the people he's talking about here are those who see the world is not as it should be. Um, people who look at the world and are frustrated by it, they see its sadness and its pain, and they long for a better world. That's why they weep. And many of us have wept over those very things. And Jesus says, blessed are you who weep for realizing that this world is not all it should be. And do you see what he says in the future? One day you will laugh, you will have joy forever. And what else do these blessed people look like? He says, blessed are you when men hate you and exclude you and insult you 
See, blessed are those who don't look for man's approval, what people liking them all the time, but those who care more what God thinks. And in the future, he says, rejoice in verse 23. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven. Uh, these people, Jesus saying, these are the blessed who know they're sick, who know they need Jesus. And they have it hard now. It doesn't seem that attractive, does it? But in the future, it will be glorious and brilliant. Well, what about the other group? Nick, can you carry on reading for us, please? Uh, this is now 20, verse 24 to 26. But woe to you who are rich. For you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for that is how their fathers treated the false prophets. Thank you. So this second, we've got the blessed who know they're sick, and now we've got the cursed who think they're healthy. And what are they like? Well... Firstly, they are rich. They're rich. Again, not just rich um, materially, not just got lots of good stuff, uh, but rich, they think they're okay with God. They think they don't need Jesus. Um, They're the kind of people who think, you know, they're, they're a kind of good guy and they don't really hurt anyone. They don't need God. They're rich. And he says that they are going to receive their comfort already. And their comfort won't be there on that day, the future day. He says, woe to you who are well fed. Now, these are people who don't see any need for God. I'm all right, I can do it all by myself. It's that kind of idea. Uh, but Jesus' shock is that you're well fed now, but on that day you'll go hungry. You'll realise you've missed out, That's what he says. At verse 25, he says, Woe to you who laugh now. I think Jesus is talking about people who think that this life is all there is. Of course, laughing's good. Laughing's brilliant, isn't it? But when we laugh to pretend that everything's okay when it's not, that's not right, is it? This world isn't as it should be. And he says, If you just spend all your time pretending it's okay and this life is everything now, On that day, it will be weeping. And then verse 26 says, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. When everyone says you're the best. You're awesome. Um, If you live for everyone else's opinion of you, and you fit in. And I was was thinking about these lists, and I was thinking, well, which one do I look more like? Well, the rich, the well-fed the laughing, and the liked. You see, I guess uh, people in forward, that's us, isn't it? We are traditionally more these type of people, aren't we? Uh, Jesus says that those who live for those things are cursed and think they're healthy. Well, here's the question. What's the roots of these two things? What's the roots? Well, Jesus says... He's the root of those who are poor, hungry, weeping, and persecuted. 
And it says those who are, who are rich, well-fed, happy, loved by everyone, well, their roots is probably in themselves. But how do you know really which one you are? How do you know which one you are? Well, let's read a bit more. Jesus tells us in verse 32 to 36. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expected repayment, well, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Thank you. Um, So what does it look like in practice um, to be blessed or cursed? Uh, Well, Jesus tells tells us. He says, uh, verse 32, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Jesus says, look, the roots of someone um, whose life is roots are in themselves, they'll just love people who love them. Which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because I love me, and if you love me, then of course I'm going to love you. Makes sense, doesn't it? We can have a nice loving. We can all love me together. It's brilliant. Happy days. And we all love people who love us, don't we? Everyone does that. That's brilliant. But it is not the sign of spiritual health. We all love people who love us. But it's not the sign of spiritual health. Because even really bad people love those who love them, don't they? Um, I don't know much about Colonel Gaddafi, but I'm pretty sure he loved other people in his regime. Does that make him good? No, we all love people who love us, don't we? Um, Loving people who love us is not a sign of spiritual health. And so to think that it is, is, Jesus would say, is foolish. See, here's a sign of spiritual health. Here's a sign of spiritual health. Um, If your roots are in you, you'll love those who love you. But Jesus says this. This is This is shocking. Look at verse 35. I'm still reeling from this. Jesus says, but love your enemies. I'm going to read it again because I don't think we believe him when he says it. This is what he says. But love your enemies. Love your enemies. This is kind of crazy, stupid love, isn't it? Love those who hate you. Love those who put you down and call you names. Love those who can't bear the sight of you. If you love those who hate you, that is a sign of spiritual health. And so the question I ask myself is, do I love like that? Do you love like that? I don't. Jesus says that if we don't love our enemies, it reveals that where we thought we were healthy, we are in fact sick. Where we thought our roots were in him, they're actually in ourselves. It's quite sobering. But he says more. Look at verse 33. He says, if you do good to those who are good to you, 
what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Um, Doing good to those who do good to you. Everyone does that, don't they? If we do go good to those who do good to us, that's great, isn't it? It's great. But it's not a sign of spiritual health. You know, my friend cooks me dinner, so I babysit for them. I help a friend to move house, he buys me a gift. It's good, it's nice. But it's not a sign of spiritual health. What does Jesus say, verse 35? But love your enemies, do good to them. Do good to those who hate you. I mean, this is crazy, this is radical, isn't it? Give them gifts, those who hate you. Make them drinks when you make drinks for everyone else in the office. Um, Let them join in your games when you're at school. Even if you hate them, let them join in and play. Do I do good like that? Do you do good like that? Jesus says that if we don't do good to our enemies, it reveals that where we previously thought we were healthy, we are in fact sick. Where we previously thought our roots were in him, they're actually in ourselves. He picks up on one other area. Verse 34. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. So if you lend, that's a good thing, uh, but expecting repayment, he says, well, what credit is that? What credit is that to you? Um, it's great that you might lend to someone, you know, they, they need, you need a bit of extra cash at a tuck shop at gig and you give them 10p to help them out and they're going to give you 10p back again. That's lovely. But it's not a sign of spiritual health. Um, you can imagine um, next week at gig, if you come along to gig, you buy your friend a chomp. What do you expect them to do the week after? Buy you a chomp. It's the way it works, isn't it? And when I'm down the pub with my friends, if they buy me a drink, what must I do for the social etiquette to continue? I must buy them a drink. It's the way it works. If I lend someone money, I expect them to give it to me back. Everyone does that. It's all right, it's fine. But it's not a sign of spiritual health. Look what Jesus says in verse 35. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Jesus says, lend to your enemies without expecting to get anything back. Lending without expecting to get anything back is giving. Lending without expecting to get anything back is giving, isn't it? He's saying give, not just to your friends, to your family, to your enemies. He's commanding crazy generosity to those who hate you. Generosity even to those who mock you and call you names. Do you give like that? Do I give like that? Jesus says that if we don't give generously to our enemies, it reveals where we previously thought we were healthy, we are in fact sick. Where we previously thought our roots were in him, they are in fact in ourselves. Jesus is desperate to show us that we need him to serve us. That we're not healthy 
We are, in fact, sick. Andrew Reese said a couple of weeks ago in his sermon, let me quote him, this is what he said. He says, unless we honestly number ourselves with the sick, Jesus won't serve us. So what must we do? We must admit that we're people who, who really live like this. We live for ourselves. And so we must admit to God that we've loved people who just love us and no one else. That we've only done good to those who do good to us and no one else. That we've only ever given stuff expecting it back. Um, let's turn back to Luke chapter 6. And um, Nick's going to read us the last bit of Jesus' uh, long sermon um, in that bit of the Bible. Um, you'll see the link between what you see at the front and see if you can work out what's going on. Um, so Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Right, so we've seen two different trees. Now we're talking about two different houses. Uh, one tree was those who, who realized they needed Jesus and built their life on him. Uh, one was people who thought they didn't need Jesus, thought they were healthy, and they could do without him. And our story about the two houses we just had read, um, there's not much difference between the houses. They're built in the same place. They look very similar, at least in my pictures they do. Um, But the one big difference is the foundations. Um, One house has a foundation of the rock. Uh, And the rock in the Bible is a a common expression, a common way of talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus is called the rock. So one house has a foundation of Jesus. And the other house, well, it's called foundationless. I guess it's almost like building yourself on, on yourself. No deep foundations, he's saying. And there's a wise man and there's a foolish man. And he says that the wise man builds his house on Jesus, the foolish man, and does not. And I guess to build your life on Jesus means to listen to him and do what Jesus asks. And the big thing I think Jesus wants us to do is to realise we're sick and we need him to serve us. First and foremost, that's what we need. Uh, But this foolish man, he doesn't bother with the foundation. He's not bothered about Jesus. He thinks he's okay. He thinks he's healthy. He lives for something else, probably himself. He loves those who love him. And now all is well in the foolish man's house. He's happy as Larry, everything's going fine. That is until the flood comes. The flood hits the house. Now in the Bible, you'll probably be aware there's another big flood at one point, isn't there? Noah and the flood. And a flood in the Bible is all about God's judgment. And so the story Jesus tells is what's going to happen when the flood of God's judgment comes. So let's see what happens. Let's look back in the Bible. So verse 49, this is what Jesus says. The one who hears my words 
and does not put them into practice is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Jesus saying a foolish builder is someone who hears what Jesus said about the desperate need for him to serve us and ignores it. He's been at pains to show us that we're sick in need of him, the doctor. A foolish builder doesn't trust Jesus when he says that he needs him to serve him. And maybe you just think Jesus got it wrong. You're all right. You don't hurt anyone. You know, you love those who love you. You do good to those who do good to you. You lend expecting stuff back. And see, I guess there might be people who, you've been coming to church for years and years and years. Or maybe this is just your first time, I don't know. Uh, but you've never trusted Jesus. You've never built your life on him. You've never let Jesus serve you. You've always thought you could do it by yourself. Maybe you think your, your life will be all right. You know, when God's judgment comes, your life will stand up to scrutiny. You know, you've loved people. You've been good. And let me say gently but firmly, I see your goodness. That's great. But it isn't enough to bring you through the flood of God's judgment. It isn't enough to withstand God's judgment. It's sand and not rock. It can't and it won't save you. It's what Jesus is saying here. If he's not the one you base everything on, then this is the shocking outcome. This is what Jesus says will happen. He says the moment the torrent struck, the house... It collapsed. And it was totally destroyed. Totally destroyed. Jesus is saying, and these are hard words, that a life without him is headed for destruction. That's what he's saying. And so what we need is a rescue. You see, the question is, why does this house um, over here fare better? Why does, it, why does it fare better than the other one? Well, there's only one difference. And the difference is Jesus. And so the question, I guess, is how does Jesus save us? How does he rescue us from God's right judgment? Well, here's one way to think about it. Jesus is the rock who goes through the floods of God's judgment for us on the cross. See, as Jesus is nailed to a cross, he experiences the full torrent of God's judgment for us. He faces it for us. He dies in our place. And Jesus is destroyed on the cross, but not completely. Because three days later, he's risen back to life. And so Jesus is saying that anyone who trusts in him can hide in him on the day of God's judgment and stand firm. Not because of their own good deeds, but because you're hidden in the rock. Have you ever been out in the Peak District? And it just starts to absolutely hammer it down with rain. What do you do? You try and hide under a rock to protect yourself, don't you? Well, Jesus is just like that. He says, come hide yourself in me. Protect yourself from God's judgment so that you come through it and experience the joy and the satisfaction and the laughter of being with God forever. If you realize this morning that 
you're not as healthy as you thought you were, then run to Jesus. Hide yourself in him for rescue. And it's only when you've hidden yourself in Jesus for rescue that you can then build your life on him in every other area. You see, without hiding in Jesus, you can never build on Jesus. This is what Jesus says, verse 48. He's like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck and the house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. That's what he says. And so if Jesus is your foundation, if you let him serve you by his death on the cross for you, then it will change everything. Because what's Jesus doing on the cross other than loving his enemies? And if that's the foundation of your life, then of course you'll follow and start to want to love your enemies like he did. And what else is Jesus doing on the cross other than doing good to those who hated him? And if that's the foundation of your life, then of course you'll start to want to do likewise. And what else is Jesus doing on the cross other than giving without expecting anything in return? And if that's the foundation of your life, then you'll begin to do likewise with his help. So let me pray as we finish that we might hide ourselves in Jesus and let him serve us, that we might then build our lives on him and live as he did. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, your words to us this morning have been very challenging. Um, we've realized, I guess, I know I have myself, that I'm someone who needs to be served by Jesus, that I do not live as he would want. But I thank you that in him there is rescue, rescue from the flood. And I pray now you'd help each of us to trust in that rescue and to build our lives on him. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.